Before we get to this week's episode, we've got a few things to take care of. First, we want to let you know that our audio course is finally out on Himalaya Learning. The Wildlife of Your Home pod course is a 10-episode series that will train you to become an indoor wildlife investigator, a rare kind of scientist. You'll learn about ecosystems by discovering the unknown creatures you wake up with every day. It's available right now on learning.himalaya.com tumble. If you enroll now, you'll get a free 14-day trial on the Himalaya Learning platform. And next, we got some new patrons to thank. Roland, Bridger, happy belated birthday on August 2nd, Bridger. Your dad loves you and loves all the adventures you go on. Isaac and Aurora Lang, Ian Skinner, Aaron, Holly, and Charlotte. And Charlotte, happy birthday on August 15th. Keep learning and asking questions. Your mommy loves you. And also Cleo Chan Testa. Keep learning and shining, and happy birthday on August 21st. There are also some more not-new patrons with birthdays coming up. Persephone Schmitter, happy birthday on August 14th. Leo Liked Gould, happy birthday on August 15th. Your parents love you and are so grateful for you. Catherine, happy birthday on August 16th. Emma Kay, happy birthday on August 21st. Mom and Dad are always so proud of you. Julian Butel, happy birthday on August 21st. Thanks to all of you and to everyone who supports Tumble on Patreon. If you'd like to get a shout-out like these people, or get a happy birthday wish from yours truly on our podcast, just go to patreon.com slash tumblepodcast and pledge at the $5 level or higher. Once again, that's patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. Wow, so this week we got a bunch of new patrons on Patreon. I am so excited to hear that, but why do you think that is? Why this week? I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the holidays. Maybe people are feeling thankful for some reason right now. Thankful for Tumble, maybe? <laughs> maybe so. Maybe they're getting to the end of the fiscal year and their piggy banks uh, need to be emptied out. <laughs> that could be too. <laughs> or maybe they like the song that you posted last week. Yeah, maybe they did. And for those of you who want to download a copy of it, you can get it and all the other awesome music from this show when you support us on Patreon. And did I mention I'm working on another song? A song about what? Cats. Cats? What? <laughs> Do we want to honor these creatures <laughs> with a song? <laughs> Maybe it will be about how evil they are. Mm, that sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when it's ready, I'll put it up on Patreon for all of our patrons to hear and download as they please. Anyhow, I'm thankful for our new patrons. They are Ben Obulus, Elon, whose question figures quite prominently into today's show, Samuel Oliver and Elizabeth Peterson in Denver, Colorado, who are also giving us their allowance. Lucas and Rowan Roberts, Alistair Peary and his mom, and lastly, Mitchell Tegelman for his birthday. Happy birthday, Mitchell. Mitchell, if it weren't protected by copyright, we'll totally sing you happy birthday right now. Instead, we'll sing something different. Happy birthday, it's your birthday, happy birthday, it's your birthday, happy birthday, it's your birthday, and you're six. And stories of science discovery. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today we're going to hear from a listener with a plan that could save our world and help build a new one. 
We're going on a journey to find out how scientists turn an idea into reality from Earth to Mars. Our listener Elon has a question that's really more of an idea. Hi, my name is Elon, and I'm ten years old. With the problem of producing too much CO2 on Earth, how can we get rid of it? Can it be filtered and broken down? Okay, so Elon is talking about solving climate change. You know, just the biggest issue facing our planet today. Elon knows what to do with that extra carbon dioxide. I have been thinking about sending all of that to Mars. Hopefully, in the near future, it would increase chances to populate Mars and continue to sustain life on Earth. If there's one thing I'd like to have happen. It's to populate Mars. And sustain life on Earth. <laughs> I mean, okay. that's mine. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fair. Fair point. <laughs> well, Elon told us that he came up with this idea because he loves watching science videos and reading National Geographic. He saw an invention that extracted carbon dioxide from the air, and then he read about the idea of putting power plants on Mars to make more CO2 for its atmosphere. Bye-bye global warming, and think of the vacation home opportunities. So Elon's thought process was, why not just take our extra CO2 and send it over to Mars? Kind of the two birds, one stone type thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. But when you have a great idea, what do you do to figure out if it could actually work? And then, how do you make it happen? Yeah, because Elon's idea involves so many challenges in so many different areas of science. Scientists have learned to bring all these diverse areas of science together to make amazing things happen. So today, we're going to take Elon's idea on the start of a scientific journey, beginning right here in Barcelona. Okay, so you went to a crowded room. Exactly. I went to a scientific conference or meeting. It's like a worldwide science water cooler. It's a place where scientists hear each other's research, get inspired, and in many cases, they start working together to make ideas into reality. The meeting I went to was called the International Congress of Sustainability, Science, and Engineering, and that's where I met a scientist who could help answer the first part of Elon's question. So I'm Kristina Zakutsiova. I'm from Slovakia originally, but I work in Prague in the Czech Republic. And basically, I'm also a singer. <laughs> Kristina studies carbon capture and storage. That's taking carbon from the air and putting it back into the ground. She was also a finalist on the Czech Republic's version of The Voice. And she really impressed the Czech version of Silo. <laughs> I wanted to talk to her about how to filter carbon from the air, but first I read her Elon's question. How would you answer that question? <laughs> you know, I like very much that actually kids, or let's say non-scientific, like this, like serious scientific community, they have this brilliant ideas. 
Christina got started in science because she had the same question that's at the heart of Elon's idea. How can I make this world better? What can I do from my position? Even though I'm just a little person in this huge world, but I can do something. And yeah, that's what I want to say to everybody. Like, yeah, let's do something together and, and you know, collaborate, talk with each other, put it on a table, and I think the people will listen. Okay, so if you were going to try to figure out how to ship carbon dioxide to Mars, like what's the first step? The main idea or the main process what should need to be done is a brainstorming with different people from a different areas. Okay, so is Christina the person who can tell us about the carbon dioxide part? She is, and it turns out scientists and engineers have been working on this technology. Right now, currently, what is happening is that the scientific community is trying to develop the process, which is the capturing the CO2, on some sorbents. Christina's talking about absorbent materials, a solid compound that absorbs the carbon dioxide gas. Get ready for some chemistry. If you have CO2 and you have um, calcium oxide, CaO, if you put them together, you have calcium carbonate. To put the gas and the solid together, they're cooked at a very high temperature and pressure to create a chemical reaction. Voila, you've got your calcium carbonate, the same material that a snail's shell is made out of. Delicious. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat that. Yeah, don't, don't ever eat that. Because what that means is that your carbon dioxide is now in an easier-to-store solid form rather than a sneaky, easy-to-escape gas. <laughs> <laughs> so where do they store it? Is there like a U-Haul like self-storage place for carbon? <laughs> the CO2 goes into deep holes like old used-up oil wells, and then it's sealed shut. Sort of like a high-tech underground carbon dioxide garbage can. Basically. So it's not hard to see that Mars would be a better place to keep this stuff because there would actually be like a useful purpose for that carbon dioxide. So now that we know the first step of Elon's problem is solved, what do we do next? Now we have to go to Mars. I'm Scott Gazage. I'm a research astrophysicist here at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. And I primarily study uh, the Mars atmosphere. Scott is part of the team that drives the Curiosity rover across the surface of Mars, which is only a lot bit cool. <laughs> I told Scott about Elon's idea and asked him if he thought carbon dioxide from Earth might help make Mars habitable. Right now, Mars's atmosphere um, is almost entirely carbon dioxide. It's about 95 or 96 percent carbon dioxide. A much smaller percent of Earth's atmosphere is carbon dioxide, but the Martian atmosphere is a lot thinner. So to get to something like Earth's atmosphere, it would need a ton more carbon dioxide. Awesome. So it sounds like we're getting somewhere with this brainstorming thing. But wait. Uh-oh. Scott told me there's a bigger problem with Mars's atmosphere. The problem that, that we've discovered is that Mars is losing atmosphere to space all the time, and has probably lost a lot of atmosphere to space over its history. What? Why Why can't Mars hang on to its atmosphere? Is it like, it will never find love? <laughs> <laughs> the atmosphere that got away. <laughs> uh, 
Um, no, it's because it's missing something really important called a magnetic field, which is like its ability to love atmosphere. <laughs> so like a giant field full of magnets, we have one of those on Earth? No, no. Around our planet, we have a force field that serves as a barrier between our atmosphere and space. It keeps out harmful particles that come from the sun and holds all the elements of our atmosphere in. But Mars does not have such a magnetic field. And so all that, all that energy, all those charged particles just directly rain onto the atmosphere. And some of those help kind of pull away little bits of the atmosphere constantly, all the time. So it, the issue is that any kind of attempt to modify Mars's atmosphere is going to have to be continually managed in a really intensive way. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to manage it, and you'd also um, you know need to to bring in these materials from somewhere else, probably like Elon's comment, um, because probably Mars doesn't have enough left because of how much it's lost over time. Okay, so this is sounding pretty good for Elon's idea, but we have a new problem. How do we stabilize the atmosphere enough to make it habitable? You're not going to believe this, but Scott told me he was at a scientific conference, <laughs> and he heard an idea of how to do it. So the one proposal that some NASA scientists had earlier this year was creating an artificial magnetic field for Mars, and it was a pretty neat idea. Wow, so this is like watching magic happen. I mean, this is kind of amazing. I'm feeling like this is fated to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, we need to find someone to ship all this carbon dioxide to Mars. So is there like an Amazon Prime service you could use, like next day CO2 delivery? <laughs> Not quite. For the Mars missions that NASA does now, we have launch windows about every two years. And that just is dictated by how Earth and Mars pass each other in their orbits. NASA has to wait to launch rockets until Earth and Mars are close together, or as close as they'll ever be. Currently, it takes about six to nine months for a package to make the journey to Mars. Gotta start planning way ahead of time for Martian Christmas. You really should send two packages of Earth socks at a time. The Curiosity rover is all like, socks! Oh, I wanted a motorcycle. <laughs> Back to CO2. Right. Can you tell me a little bit about what it would look like to ship CO2 from Earth to Mars? Right now, you know, when we launch uh, spacecraft to Mars, we, you know, we put them on big rockets and we send them all the way to Mars and, and we end up landing a small amount. So imagine one of those huge rockets that, that launches something like the Curiosity rover. It only ends up bringing about one ton of stuff down to Mars's surface. We need billions of tons of CO2 to be removed from our atmosphere and then if we want to ship it to Mars. So, like, it would take a couple trips. What we've come to is a pretty significant engineering challenge in Elon's plan. I don't know how we're going to get over that one. So if we want to deliver things to Mars, we want to maybe deliver it from a place that that we wouldn't have to work very hard to get it removed from. And so places like that would be, you know, asteroids and comets. If we could somehow, you know, grab those asteroids and comets and basically, you know, kind of grind them up and deliver that uh, carbon dioxide and into Mars's atmosphere, you know, maybe that's a much more feasible scenario than, than kind of lifting it all the way off of Earth and then putting it onto Mars. 
I mean, grabbing and grinding asteroids would be pretty cool too, but we've still got the problem of what to do with all of our extra carbon dioxide. I think if we want to get rid of the CO2 in our atmosphere, you know, I think we're going to end up storing it back, kind of back where it came from, which is underground. Which is what Christina's working on. It's like we're right back to where we started. Exactly. Because even though it seems that the sky is the limit in space or like beyond the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the sky is kind of the limit in space. (laughs) Space also exists in the real world. So even though technically there could be a way to package and ship our CO2 off to Mars to thicken the Martian atmosphere, cost is a big part of the equation. You know, that's the restriction that... uh that people who, you know, want to go in space operate under, unfortunately. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily even the technology. It's, you know, it's the, it's the cost to, to use that technology. So basically shipping CO2 to Mars would blow the space budget. Astronauts would be like, hey, why can't we have dessert anymore? <laughs> it's because we used our whole budget to ship CO2 You're saving the Earth, astronaut. Don't (laughs) complain about the lack of ice cream. Part of brainstorming an idea is about learning the restrictions, or the things that would keep the idea from happening in the real world. In this case, it's money, but all great ideas adjust and change from the first concept, or they spin out to other ideas. And so if we can find a way to make going to space as simple as, you know, flying from New York to Los Angeles or, or something like that, you know, that just totally changes the game and, and really makes space not some mystical frontier, but, but just another place that humans go on a regular basis. So maybe Elon can be one of the people who have ideas to make space cheaper. Exactly. So we asked Elon what he thought of our investigation and our findings. I was kind of expecting this because in the beginning of the space age, people wanted to go to Mars after they went to the moon, but it was too expensive. So I have a new idea of planting space stations in space at least half the distance from the Earth to the moon all the way to Mars and beyond. So the rockets can get refills on fuel and they can be fixed so they can go to Mars. That's a, that's a really good idea, like getting a gas station and a mechanic shop and maybe like a bathroom. Definitely need a bathroom. <laughs> Even if you don't have to go at the space station, you should go. <laughs> Absolutely. And Elon also has a new idea for that pesky disappearing Martian atmosphere. We can put magnets around Mars to stabilize its magnetic field and protect it from radiation. Elon should definitely talk to that NASA scientist that Scott told us about, the one who wants to create an artificial magnetic field for Mars, because that's essentially Elon's plan, too. So has he got his PhD already? (laughs) Get that boy to a science conference. Honestly, because you don't need to wait until you're a grown-up with a, you know, fancy cap and gown to start sharing your scientific ideas with other people. You never know where it might lead you. Do you have a great idea you've been floating around? What would it take for it to happen? Brainstorm, get information, and find out if there's any restrictions. Then see if you can test your idea. That's the next step. 
Let us know what happens by emailing us at tumblepodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear all of your great ideas. Thanks to Kristina Zakatsiova, PhD candidate at the University of Chemistry and Technology in Prague, and Scott Guzage, research astrophysicist at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. Special thanks to Michaela Sosby. Big thanks to Elon Penaloza for sharing his idea with us, and his parents, Ginia and Miguel, for helping out. You can check out resources for this episode on our blog at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Sarah Lentz is our editor. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I host and produce this show. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I make all of the music. Thanks for joining us, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery.